Coast to coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news. Scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downey. Welcome to Light the Lamp here on Stream. I am your host, Alexis Downey. There's a lot ahead in this month between the Stanley Cup final, the draft, the NHL awards, just some important events in the coming weeks for the NHL. And maybe California will finally decide to show some sun again because we have not had any through the whole month of May, it felt like. And I know there's the whole June gloom, May gray. So I'm finally experiencing that. And it really is a thing. So like I said, hopefully the sun comes out again for the summer months. But before we get to the Stanley Cup final chat, which is going to begin this weekend, Last week, we featured our two Ducks prospects, Olin Zellweger and Nathan Gaucher, who are competing for the Canadian Hockey League Memorial Cup. I wanted to give an update on that end. The Quebec Remparts, which is Gaucher's team, have already solidified their spot in the Memorial Final this Sunday, and they took down the Kamloops Blazers and Seattle Thunderbirds to get to that point. Through the tournament so far, Gaucher has had two goals in the three games that he played in. And then on the other side for the Kamloops Blazers, Olin Zellweger has three assists in the games that he's also played in. And as of today, as I'm recording this on Thursday, Kamloops will be playing tonight. And that is going to determine who will play in the semifinal game on Friday evening. The team that will play in that will be playing against the Seattle Thunderbirds. So also a congratulations to Olin Zellweger for being named to the CHL first all-star team. The news came out today, that being Thursday. In addition, more Ducks prospects were also honored as a part of that. Pavel Minchikov of the Ottawa 67s and Tristan Luno of the Gatineau Olympics were named to the CHL second all-star team. So congratulations to all of our Ducks prospects that had fantastic seasons in the CHL. So that now brings us to the NHL, where there was a lot of activity happening this week around the league. Just want to touch on a couple of the bigger news headlines the Washington Capitals named Spencer Carberry their new head coach on Tuesday. He is a first-time head coach at the NHL level after he previously was an assistant with the Maple Leafs this season. And he is replacing Peter Laviolette, who had been the head coach in Washington since September of 2020. The Pittsburgh Penguins also have a new guy in their front office, and he is pretty familiar to Maple Leafs fans. Kyle Dubas was named the president of hockey operations on Thursday. He had spent the last five seasons as the Toronto Maple Leafs general manager, and he is replacing Brian Burke after just two years in that role. Now, on the other hand, Brad Tree Living was hired as the new general manager to replace Dubas for the Leafs job on Wednesday. He spent nine seasons as the GM for Calgary previously, and he certainly will have his hands full this summer in Toronto as there is a lot that is going to need to be done. Now, the Nashville Predators hired Andrew Brunette as their new head coach on the same day as their previous head coach, John Hines, was fired. Brunette was the associate head coach in New Jersey with the Devils this past season, and he previously stepped in as the interim head coach for the Florida Panthers last season when they won the President's Trophy. 
And pretty cool nugget about this with Burnett. He scored the very first goal in Predators team history back on October 13th in 1998 when Barry Trotz was the head coach. So this seems very full circle as Trotz is now the general manager and we'll have Burnett at the helm. And then the last piece of news on the NHL front on Wednesday, the Seattle Kraken extended general manager Ron Francis to the 2026-27 season. This seems very deserving after the year that they had in Seattle. So with all of that going on, the Stanley Cup final is also going to begin this weekend. As I mentioned on Saturday with game one, I am so excited for this series to get underway. And, you know, just as we all expected, it's the Vegas Golden Knights in the West and the Florida Panthers in the East. I mean, we all predicted that, right? Okay, maybe that was a little funnier to me than it might be to you, but I will say that it doesn't really seem like a surprise in the West to have the Vegas Golden Knights there after the regular season they had. And with how hot the Panthers have been in this postseason and to end the regular season, they certainly seem deserving as well. Now, whoever wins the Stanley Cup this year will be a first-time Stanley Cup champion, so that is pretty exciting as well. This is the first time that Vegas will be back in the finals since 2018 and the first time for Florida since 1996. Now, like I said, Florida has definitely deserved this position. They had to go against some very tough teams to get to where they are taking down the Boston Bruins in seven games, then the Toronto Maple Leafs in five, and then sweeping the Carolina Hurricanes in the Eastern Conference Final in just four games. 16 total games and only four losses in that. And they, like I said, were the last team to make the playoffs, finishing the season on a heater to get into that spot. So some other impressive things to note about the Panthers through this postseason. They are 6-0 and in overtime in the playoffs. And one of the guys that they can thank for that has been Matthew Kachuk, who has 21 points, leading the team with nine goals and 12 assists. Also, one other cool storyline for the Panthers in this one. The Stahl brothers, Eric and Mark, will be looking to win the cup together. Now, for the Golden Knights, like I said, not a surprise necessarily that they are the West champion as they won the regular season with 111 points. They took down the Winnipeg Jets in five games in round one, the Edmonton Oilers in six, and then finished off with Dallas in six games as well. This team can score. They have six players that have at least 14 points in the postseason, and they're really strong on the five-on-five -five play as they lead all teams in the postseason with 49 goals on that end. Jack Eichel also playing in his first cup final with 18 points so far through this postseason in the 17 games that Vegas has played. And of course, maybe the biggest storyline for the Golden Knights has been Eden Hill in the net. He is seven and three with a 937 save percentage, certainly a very big reason why they're doing so well in the playoffs, but it's going to be interesting to see the goalie battle here as Sergei Bobrovsky for the Panthers has also been a reason that the Panthers are where they're at. They did start with Alex Lyon in the net, but went over to Bob. And since then it's been a very seamless transition. Bobrovsky is 11 and two in the playoffs with a 9:35 save percentage. So pretty similar between him and Hill. 
Now, Vegas is the favorite, but it is by a slim margin. The game on Saturday, game one and two, will be played in Vegas. Pretty neat spot to start off the Stanley Cup final. And I really think that overall, this is going to be a solid finals based on what we saw from both of these teams to this point. I feel like it's going to be a pretty balanced series as both teams can score. They've been getting a lot of contributions from their bottom six and have also that solid goaltending, like I just mentioned. That probably has been the biggest surprise to me, I think, overall, is the goaltending, but definitely an X factor in the playoffs. I mean, we saw that with Andre Vasilevsky, what he did for the Tampa Bay Lightning in the last couple years. But one thing that might hurt the Panthers in this one, and it's something I talked about with today's guest as well, is they have a lot of days off before they get back out on the ice. Yes, they've been practicing and speaking with the media, but they have not played a game. It's going to be a 10-day gap. So you have to think that that might hurt a team that is really hot, but it might not as well because overall, I think I'm leaning towards the Panthers in this series. I think it's going to go six or seven games as well. I picked them last season to win the cup. If we go back to last year when they won the president's trophy, I was so high on them. And this playoffs has certainly been a reminder for me as to why I picked them. Now, I just mentioned it, but our guest today is our very own John Allers, who has been keeping busy calling games through the Stanley Cup playoffs for Sports USA Radio. He caught up with us in the Paul Correa studio on Wednesday this week in between his travel to recap the playoffs and look ahead to the final. Take a listen. Joining us here in the studio today is Ducks play-by-play -play broadcaster, John Allers, and also broadcaster of all the Stanley Cup playoffs. How are you doing today? Thanks for joining us. Well, I'm a little tired, been traveling <laughs> a good bit, but it's great to be here and uh, and uh, fun to talk Ducks. First time in uh, about six weeks. <laughs> so since the season has ended, I mean, obviously mentioned traveling a lot, but how has it been for you just kind of been enjoying the time and whatnot? It's fun. I love doing the Stanley Cup playoffs for a number of reasons. Obviously, it's intense hockey. It's great hockey. It's a it's a dramatic time of year. But there's a you know, after 35 years, I was thinking about it this morning of calling games really only about the last three years of me doing the playoffs when you don't have a dog in the hunt, mm. if, if you will. Um, you know, we're all hockey fans and, and I'm a, I'm a hockey fan first. But let's face it. I'm a Ducks fan, mm -hmm. and uh, when I'm calling a Ducks game, there's there's a little slant that goes with it, and and at times, you know, we travel with the team. You get on the bus with the guys, you get on the plane with the guys, and you, you know, you live and die with the wins and the losses. But uh, I'm just watching hockey, and I'm watching great hockey. Uh, there's no dog in the hunt, um, you know. You, I'm not saying you don't care, but it's it's different, and you get to just call a game, uh, a straight hockey game, and and react and respond to what you see just like you guys, uh, just like anybody sitting at home, just like anyone sitting in the mm -hmm. stands. Well, I'm sure it is a little exciting, though, seeing some former Ducks that have been playing in the playoffs, at least. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's been fun. I I, uh, for, I was in Boston in the first round and uh, went and talked to Josh Mahura and uh, Brandon Montour before game two there. Um, you know, you get the you get that strange look. Whoa, what are you doing here <laughs> when you walk in? But mm -hmm. the, it is nice to catch up with them and talk. Hadn't seen Josh since uh 
you know, he was waived at the end of training camp and got a chance to, to listen to, you know, his reaction to that and talk about obviously how things have gone very, very well for him in Florida. I think he played every game in the regular season. He's played every game in the playoffs and it's an opportunity and that's what players want. They Mm -hmm. want opportunities. Uh, Monty was, you know, a couple of teams removed last season. I got to see Andrew Cogliano and Josh Manson when I was calling the final as well. And, and, and actually bumped into some of their family members who remembered me and that's, you know, that's flattering, but it's, it's also, you know, everyone holds their time in Anaheim with, with a great deal of esteem and, and it's special for different reasons. Some guys, you know, spent a lot of time here for other guys. It was their first team. It was our first stop in the NHL. And, and it's always nice to see those guys again. Now, in the midst of all this playoffs was the draft lottery. I'm sure you were watching it. I have to bring that up as well so we can talk about it a little bit. But what was your reaction to seeing the Ducks getting that number two pick? It was predictable in my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, my wife, who part of what I love about her is she's not a hockey fan and she's not tuned in. She doesn't have any conspiracy theories. She doesn't have any preconceived notions. And she was in the kitchen and she looked up and she said, Oh, it's down to you guys in Chicago. You guys have got a chance. And I turned and I said, honey, we don't have a snowball's chance. And you know what? I just <laughs> didn't think it was going to happen. Uh, it's, you know, it's not conspiracy theory. It's, it's a conversation I've heard a lot of people have. And, you know, everybody was like, oh, Chicago's going to get it. Chicago's going to get it. And, and I just, I wouldn't let myself believe for a moment. I was, I remember sitting in Bob Murray's, he was then our assistant general manager in his office, watching the draft lottery in 2004, I believe. I believe it was maybe it was five yeah it was five and we remarkably got down to the last two picks and it was Pittsburgh and us and I have vivid memories of it and uh, I think uh, Murph had just got done working out I don't know why I was there but he said, <laughs> he, he said come on in and we were literally sitting on the floor watching it and it was for Sidney Crosby at the mm-hmm. time and um, Maureen his then executive assistant was came in the room and when they showed the logo, the Penguins had a, and we were the Mighty Ducks at that time, the Mm -hmm. Penguins had a upside down triangle behind their Penguin logo. And that's what she saw. And she immediately (laughs) reacted. She yelled and she ran out the door. We got it. And we, the three of us, I can't remember who else was in there with me, Bob Marie, myself and someone else. And we all kind of looked at each other. We're like, no, we didn't. (laughs) And, you know, and it was like, no, that was Pittsburgh. And we, the old Mighty Duck logo had the same triangle, upside down triangle behind the I'm looking at your picture of Paul Correa mm-hmm. right now over your shoulder. Uh, so I guess I was scarred from that experience. Mm-hmm. It was, and, and that was a different experience because all the teams were weighted. We were coming out of a lockout. There was no season to use the points against, so we were weighted. And then again, this, in the subsequent years since, we we just haven't had any luck in the uh, in the in the draft lottery. So I, I wouldn't let myself think we were going to get it. And unfortunately, I was for once in my life, I was right. <laughs> well, one of the positives from that, at least, is that it is a heavy draft at the top this season or this year. So I think that the Ducks are in a pretty good position to still get a very talented player. Yeah, for me, um, when the Ducks finished dead last in the regular season, that meant a top three pick. And if mm-hmm. you've been paying attention and I guess if you're a real Ducks fan, you, you were, you knew that meant, you know, there were three pretty highly regarded players at the top. Uh, depends on who you read or who you talk to or who you subscribe to the, mm-hmm. the order that they put past Connor Bedard, who's two, who's three, who's four. But the guarantee, at least in my mind was, yeah, a, a special offensive player uh, who potentially can play in the middle of the ice is, is going to be coming to this team. And, and that, 
for me was always that was the win. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, I, I maybe I was just bracing myself. I wouldn't <laughs> let myself think we we could get the first overall pick, but I said the consolation is a very good player is going to be coming into the system. Well, before we get to the draft in the end of June, and I'm excited because I think we're going to be there as well. So getting to see. Oh, who you guys, de- you guys are going to the yeah, draft. Yeah, I believe nice. I believe we Good will be there. So that'll be really awesome to see. You know the. The rounds and the ducks, whoever Terrible they... Terrible city. I, I, hope you, I hope you guys can <laughs> Nashville. find... Hope you can find something to do. <laughs> I, I've i been there a couple times, uh, but I know that producer Steph hasn't been there yet, so... Well, you're going to have to show him around. Really but. exciting for him to be there as well. But we have to get through the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and you have been a little bit all over the place, it seems like, in terms of what games that you've called, but it seems like Dallas was a team that you saw a bit. So let's start with the Stars and their journey through the playoffs. I mean, you saw them in Seattle and then you saw them against Vegas as well. What was it about them that, you know, they were able to get to the point that they did in the playoffs? They had great goaltending and they had a nice mix. You look at that team and it's easy to say, man, they're old. Mm -hmm. Jamie Benz, I think 14 years in, um, Joe Pavelski's 38, soon to be 39 years of age, but what they, you know, Ryan Suter, don't overlook Ryan Suter, 18 mm-hmm. years in the league. Um, you know, th- but what they got from those players is what you hope to get from veteran players, not only from a leadership standpoint, but then Wyatt Johnston is 19 years old. You know, he, he comes out of nowhere, scores 24 goals in the regular season. Very good player. They actually were matching him up uh, against Jack Eichel in the Western final, the last couple of games, and, and he held his own. Um, you know, they've, they've got Miro Haskin and, and everybody's like, wow, Miro Haskin, he's been around. He's 24. He's still only mm-hmm. 24 years old. Um, you know, they, they've got good young players. And, and of course, Jason Robertson, who's, I believe, also the same draft year, 2017. So he's 24 years old. So they, they've got a real nice mix there. And and as a result, they've, you know, they've they've got a good team, I think, moving forward for years to come. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the teams that they did see was the Seattle Kraken, the team that took down the Colorado Avalanche in the first round. Were you surprised? Absolutely. Didn't see that that coming. We were talking at the end of game six in um, in Dallas just the other night. I said, you know, you look back and and everybody going into the playoffs, there was a lot of talk for Edmonton, Um, obviously Dreisaitl and and. and McDavid going well. They were getting good goaltending from Stuart Skinner. Looked like they were they were one of the favorites. Colorado was coming on strong. We mm-hmm. thought they were getting healthy. We didn't know that Landeskog was was not going to see uh, see any daylight. But they 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 got to first place in the division. Only Vegas was ahead of them. Vegas was the number one seed. Nobody no one was talking about Vegas mm-hmm. at all. You know that's that's how does a number one seed get overlooked? But but they did. But going back to your original question, yeah. Did I have Seattle beating Colorado? No, they, I mean, they were another team that was severely overlooked because everybody said, oh, it's a great story. They made Mm -hmm. the playoffs second year. Look at the improvement. I think it was 48 points or 40 points or, you know, some remarkable amount. I think only New Jersey had more of an improvement from the season before. And, And so everybody, ah, happy to be here, happy to be here. Well, no, they were more than happy to be here. They, they won. Grubauer, Grubauer played well. Played well enough, and I think we, you know, we saw that Colorado was not the same team that they were the year mm-hmm. before. They're still a very good hockey team, and then, you know, they they almost get by Dallas <laughs> again. It's like, wow, great story. They're in the second round, and and they get one game away from from the Western final. It's uh, you know, future's bright there as well. Also in that first round, you mentioned it doing the Florida and Bruins game as well. Uh, you know, that series was certainly one that obviously surprised so many people too, with Boston being such a favorite. But after you broadcasted 
it was game two, correct? It was. Were you thinking that Florida had a chance in the series? You know, I did, but I didn't think they would win, mm -hmm. uh, full disclosure. The thing that I knew and have known about Florida this season is they can score. Mm -hmm. They can score. And if you get loose with them, and Boston did in game two, they decided to trade chances and they lost, I think, 6-3. Um, they, you know, there's players throughout that lineup that can score goals. Everyone looks at Matthew Kachuk. He gets a lot of credit and he should. Carter Verhage's he's a big time goal scorer too. And he scores big goals, not just doesn't finish the season with 30. He scores game winning goals. He scores overtime goals. He scores big goals at big moments of games. Sam Reinhart, um, mm -hmm. and Sam Bennett both have been playing very well for them in those playoffs. And, and those are two players that have, they've struggled at, at previous stops. They've come to Florida and had fits and starts. Reinhardt has been very good for them for a couple of years. And they, and you know, when I look at the Florida Panthers, the, just organizationally speaking, a little, getting a little bit on a tangent, but they remind me a lot of the Ducks because people don't pay a lot of attention to the Florida Panthers throughout the course of a season. They're kind of geographically isolated. They're down there. I spent time in Tampa. I know what it's like to be a Florida team in the NHL. Everybody says, oh, the travel in the East is easy. Well, not for the Florida teams. Mm -hmm. It's not. They're, they're out there and they're down. They do have an advantage being in the Eastern time zone. So I think a lot of people haven't really paid attention to how well Sam Bennett or Sam Reinhardt have played since they became members of the Florida Panthers. And Paul Maurice said something to me before game two um, about they had to change the way they played. I mean, this is a team that won the president's trophy the year before. Mm -hmm. um, they hadn't been out of the first round in 25 years. They got out of the first round. Then they got swept in the second round. And they made a decision as an organization that despite the president's trophy, they didn't see a team that they thought could win in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So they got a new coach. They made the big trade with Calgary in the offseason. And they kind of tried as much as you can do in the modern-day NHL to reshape their roster and, and, and the type of player that they had and the way they wanted to play. And Paul Maurice said to me, you know, that's hard to do. And he said, we didn't really figure it out till January. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, if you look back at Florida's season, it was, it was tough sledding through the first half. They were out of the playoffs. I think 72% of the season, they were not in a playoff position, made the big push at the end mm -hmm. with Alex Lyon in net and still barely got in last team to get in. And, and that kind of, that kind of reflects what, what Paul Maurice was talking to me about. And, and now they seem to have certainly looks like they've figured out the way they want to play. <laughs> Definitely, especially in the net with Sergei Bobrovsky. And then, I mean, Kachuk just absolutely leading the team overall. And I think one of the more impressive things, too, is just the teams that they had to get through to get to where they are. Yep. Not easy teams. No. Boston, Toronto, Carolina. I mean, watching them go through that, it, it makes you wonder, you know, can they be stopped at this point? I think they can, unfortunately. <laughs> I think the calendar, because, again, I draw back on our experiences. My first year here with the Mighty Ducks, again, an underdog team, mm -hmm. went through the playoffs like a hot knife through butter, and no one saw it coming. You know, it was like the defending cup champion Red Wings. They swept them in the first round. Obviously, no home ice. They went up against the number one seed Dallas Stars in the second round. First thing they did was win the first two games in Dallas. They win that series in six. Then they play Minnesota. I think that was a lower seat. No, we were, they were they did have home ice, and they swept them. And then Ottawa and New Jersey are embroiled in a seven-game series in the Eastern Conference Final, and everybody sits around for 10 days, exact amount of time the Florida Panthers are mm -hmm. sitting around for 10 days. And I remember the league, even after the game seven, the league gave them an extra couple days because they didn't want to make them have to play, mm -hmm. you know, the very two days later, start the Stanley Cup final. And 
you know, we, we were all a little butt hurt because we're like, Hey, you know, you should, you should, there should be something in a reward for the sweep. Mm -hmm. And then they gave them two more days off and the ducks got to New Jersey. And I believe they were shut out in each of the first two games. So, um, I've seen what the, I'm not saying that's going to happen to the right. Florida Panthers, but that is going to be perhaps one of their, their biggest pieces of adversity that they faced in these playoffs so far, as strange as it sounds. Now with this matchup between the two teams, I mean, certainly they haven't played each other in the playoffs and this is going to be a first time Stanley cup winner. So that's obviously a that's big cool, storyline too. Yeah. yeah. I think it's very cool. And you're going to be a part of calling the games for sports USA radio. Uh, now I know in the last game that you called on Monday, you were with Brian Hayward as well too. Mm -hmm. So how awesome is it to be able to call games with him in the playoffs? Well, it's cool. Cause he's, <laughs> he's a very good friend mm -hmm. and it's comfortable. It's comfortable. I mean, mm -hmm. there's not a lot of, you know, Hey, is it, you know, should I jump in here and there? You know, <laughs> not that a lot of that goes on, but I will be working with Brian Boucher, who's done primarily TV. I did one game with Brian in the uh, Edmonton um, Vegas series in the second round. And mm -hmm. we did go through that a little bit. I was like, you know, Boucher, you know the game. I said, when, you know, teams are dumping it in and changing, go for it. Tell your story. It's radio. It's different. But, you know, you know when it's dangerous and when it's not sort of thing. Don't have to do any of that with Brian. It's, you know, it, it's... It's an old shoe, 21 years together. So uh, that's it's very comfortable. <laughs> so looking at this Vegas team, they certainly have had no problem scoring in the playoffs. But I'm curious as to the matchup between William Carlson and likely he's going to be playing against Kachuk mm -hmm. because he's been the guy that's kind of handled the bigger guys through the couple rounds to begin with. Do you think he's going to be able to contain him? Yeah, I mean, his his main job is going to be probably Barkov, Sasha Barkov, because that's the matchup of mm -hmm. the two centermen. And Barkov's a big, difficult guy to handle. It, it was interesting to me, he's got 10 goals, so everybody's talking about him for potential con Smythe. William Carlson has had a season where he scored 43 goals the first year with the Misfits there. Uh, but since then, I don't think he's... I think he's averaged in the five years since then closer to about 18 goals a season, mm -hmm. but I don't think he gets enough credit for his defensive game. He's he's, he was the matchup in, in that second round against the Pavelski hints, um, uh, Robertson line. And he was going up against Rope hints, another big physical centerman. Mm -hmm. So I, I think he's true to the test. The fact that he, that he did anything against Connor McDavid and held him down in the second round tells me that he's certainly up to the task and, 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 Definitely underrated. I don't think Vegas is a team, again, that on a national, international scope gets a ton of love, probably mm -hmm. more than the Ducks and more than the Florida Panthers. But they get they get lost in the mix a little bit, I think, over the course of the season with the Torontos and the, the Bostons after the season they had this year and some of the larger market teams. So so Wild Bill, as he was tabbed in his, in his brief time here with the Ducks, <laughs> um, is a guy I think that gets overlooked a little bit. But I don't think the Vegas Knights are where they are right now without him. Another one of those keys for the Knights has been Aiden Hill. Kind of a surprise through the playoffs. Kind of? He has been a surprise, <laughs> yeah, definitely, because they've had to play with so many different goaltenders. Do you think that he can help carry them in this? Do you think he has enough experience at this point, too? I do. He, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's he's been good. He's, mm -hmm. been, he's done all that he's been asked to do. He gave up one bad goal in the Dallas series, and that was the go-ahead goal in game five. And I think a lot of people were waiting for the other shoe to drop after that. They end up losing game five, and and then, you know, game six allegedly has got all this pressure on them. And uh, the thing about the Vegas Golden Knights is systemically they they played a, a defensive style. As you point out, they can score. Yeah, they can score. And, mm -hmm. of course, 
offense is sexy and everybody, you know, oh, he scored 30 goals, he scored 40 goals. But the way they play defense is perfect. And I, and I even speculated on this in the, in the Western final. The fact that they went through five goaltenders this year in the regular season, mm-hmm. I think is helping them right now because the team, it became, listen, this is how we have to play defensively as a team. Never mind whether it's Jonathan Quick or it was never Robin Leonard this year in net or mm-hmm. or it's not Marc-Andre Fleury anymore, or if it's going to be Aiden Hill or if it's going to be Laurent Brossois or Yuri Patera who came up and came a few, played a couple games and won a couple games for them. They have a, they have a system that allows them, if they play it correctly, that allows the goaltender to not have to be spectacular. And we saw it in game six to a T. Mm-hmm. We saw it in games one, two, and three pretty well because those were low-scoring games, and they were solid even in game three when they won 4 nothing. Um, again, Hill made 34 saves, but I, I can only remember a couple that were really of the spectacular um, genre. So with that in mind, no 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 strike against Aiden Hill. He's doing what he has to do. And, you know, the other, the other side of that storyline is he's an unrestricted free agent mm-hmm. and he could be, he could be doing a lot for his career right now. If he can, if he can carry this through, I, you know, I didn't honestly, again, full disclosure, when I saw Brossois get hurt, I didn't think Aiden Hill was the next man up. Mm. I thought it was going to be Jonathan Quick. I mean, yeah. here's a guy who's played nearly a hundred games in the Stanley cup playoffs in his career. He's got 10 career shutouts, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the moment that is not going to be too big. The spotlight's not going to be too hot mm-hmm. for him. And credit to Bruce Cassidy went right to Aiden Hill. That was, that was his move. And it's, it's paid off in aces. No pun intended. <laughs> Are you excited to be in Vegas? Are, do you like to gamble? Uh, you know, I don't. Um, I, I jokingly tell everyone, I said, I have, I have no idea how that town stays in business because <laughs> I was there in the second round and the only bet I made was on the uh, the Preakness and I won $70. Nice. And then uh, <laughs> after the game on Saturday night, I stayed up a little bit, played a little roulette and I won $90. So I have no idea how that place stays in business. I mean, I'm you know, if, if, I, if I have to go there for games one and two, I could ruin the economy. <laughs> what an awesome place just to have the final between there and then being in the sunshine in Florida. The too. atmosphere is crazy there. It's, mm-hmm. it's, have, you've been in the building, haven't you? I haven't okay. actually. It's, I've it's only been on the outside. Yeah. It's un- and it, and the outside's unbelievable too, mm-hmm. because of the way they drop that thing right in on the, on the strip. And you, I mean, you could walk by and not even know T-Mobile's back there if you don't come off the strip. And then it's, a, it's, it's an entire world snuck between I-15 <laughs> and the strip right there. And, and, and they do it upright. They got, they got bands. They've got a, a plaza level out there with, with you know, outdoor bar, bars that are just, you know, the walls open and you can mm-hmm. walk outside. They're, I know it's usually pretty hot this time of year there, but <laughs> there are trees and there's cover. And it's, it's, a, it's a great atmosphere and a great place to, to take in a game. The building is the loudest building in the league. I, mm-hmm. I think that a lot of that's a little artificial, but the, the crowd is great. And then, of course... They've got the the uh, the showgirls mm-hmm. that stand on the glass or during warm up for the the visiting team, which the players are they're used to it now, mm-hmm. but they like it too. They they <laughs> chuckle, they laugh. It's kind of you know, it's 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 maybe it's it's kitschy, but at the same time, it's it's Vegas. It it's, is Vegas. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, the matchup, and I'm curious if you have a pick for the final, if you could pick a team between the two or. Yeah. I, and I think this is recency bias. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking at Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Vegas, uh, to the point that I mentioned to you, the way they play defensively and they're big on the back end. you know, Nicholas Haig is six foot six and, and Zach Whitecloud is, is playing really well. Mm-hmm. I think he's plus 10 or 11 in these playoffs. 
and then Petrangelo's back there, and and Shea Theodore moves up and skates, and he's kind of roaming all over the all, all over the place. Uh, um, you know, you mentioned the former Ducks again. I had a chance <laughs> to talk to him. I guess he's getting married in the off season, Aww. but he had a quick quip for me. He said, "I'm a little more focused on a different ring right now," <laughs> and uh, you know, and and Shea's played over a hundred playoff games that, that kind of, mm. that kind of took me by surprise when I was doing my research. I think he's up to 101 now. And I was like, you know, I think there was some note that he's one of the, he's the youngest active player currently in the national hockey league. Who's played a minimum of 100 Stanley cup wow. playoff games. So, you know, he's, he's not a kid anymore, even <laughs> though you're all kids to me, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I like their D. They're big. McNabb and Martinez block shots. You know, more than anybody in the league. And if they can do that and play that style, and they seem very focused. And and Bruce Cassidy's, uh, he seems to have complete command of what's going on there. So my pick would be Vegas. Well, good luck with the finals. Thank you so much for joining us yeah, today in the studio. Awesome to see you. To and see you. Uh, we'll see you down the line in the summer. Get out to Vegas. Go to one of the finals <laughs> games. You got man. The atmosphere is going to be nuts. And now it's time for my final quack for this episode, where I share my last thoughts before the end of the show. There will not be a light the lamp next week. I'm going to be out of town, but still watching the Stanley Cup final from where I'm at. Make sure to come back the following week for another episode as we inch closer to that NHL draft. Thank you for listening to Light the Lamp. I am Alexis Downey. Come back again in two weeks for more Hockey Talk on Duckstream. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on Duckstream.